Bezir Hashem, I wanted to um, record some ideas from this week's explanation from the Hemshech Ayin Beis from the Rebbe Rashab on the Parsha of Chukat. So we're in the Hemshech Ayin Beis, chapter 145, a few paragraphs into the chapter. Every system of godly energy has three basic parts called a point. The second idea is called a sphera, and the third idea is called a partsuf or a face or an integrated system. When one talks about a point, this is the essential point of any system, essential inner point. This is the concept of the crown or the, the energy of desire or purpose or ultimate essential energy, like the point of the system. What's the point of it? That within this inner central essence or point is inter-including all the other nine lower energies of its unfolding. And from this inner point of desire, all other sub-expressions are flowing forth and revealing from this point. So this aspect of a point of desire is found in all energies. For example, in the energy of wisdom, there's an inner point of desire, which would be, this is the desire to increase and express wisdom. Only if a person wants to uh, increase in wisdom is he going to go through the processes of increasing in wisdom. That therefore there's a statement from the rabbis that a person should always be learning where he wants to learn. Because if he's, if he's wanting to learn in that topic, like right now I want to learn in this topic, so when he wants to learn in that topic, he's going to be much more successful in thoroughly and deeply connecting with that topic because really the essential energy of gaining wisdom isn't even so much the wisdom itself, but it's the desire to get that wisdom. The central energy of doing kindness isn't so much the kindness itself, but the desire to do that kindness and, uh, or for self-improvement and so on and so forth. So that the essential energy of any expression is really its inner core of desire to do it. Right. We can also say that another way of looking at this essential point in any system, which is it's the desire to express that thing, that is always the essential point of any system, is the desire to express that system. Another way of saying desire is ability. The ability and the desire to express that system and unfold it are really kind of coming from one point. 
Right, but the, this essential point of desire to express a system, say a system of wisdom, or the ability to do so, this is existing in a point prior to the expression of any particular wisdom. So a person is always able, let's say, to learn the Hebrew language or to figure out how to earn money in the way that he really wants to or to figure out how to get married or whatever it is. A person's desire and ability to accomplish anything are residing prior to, their ex- to the expression of any of those activities or experiences Yet it is the essential point driving that would eventually drive any of those activities or experiences. This is also identified with a person's inner experience. So again, this is identified with a psychological state of a person identifying with them within themselves that they are able to, say, learn Hebrew or to accomplish this task in life. A person looks within and way before they even take on the, the steps of thinking about how to go about accomplishing this or that goal, but they look within themselves and they say, I know that I'm able to in that I desire to have this or that experience or express this or that experience. So when we are looking inside and we are identifying that we could and we would want to possibly express this or that experience, even though we don't even know exactly how the experience would play out, only that we know that we could do it or would want to do it. That is identifying the inner point of desire within ourselves, which is identifying our essential point. The identification of the of that essential inner point within ourselves, which is our essential self, which is that point within ourselves that could do anything and would want to do anything, even though in our level of consciousness we wouldn't know what it would look like for that experience to play out. But yet just the mere identification of the ability and desire to do anything is, is really to identify the essential point of ourselves and the essential core of any experience that might happen. So again, the inner point of desire is the essential point of any experience also identified with the inner point of identifying the ability to do something. And it's the point from which any particular experience is drawing on this point, activating this point to pull out the experience. So this is the zone of Keter, of the crown. 
So while we as human beings get to enjoy partaking of this energy, when we look inside at our desires and abilities to do anything even before they play out, he's also explaining that this energy is kind of the great backdrop of the entire universe. It's the realm of Kesser, the realm of the crown, the realm of the desire of the creator. In certain writings, this realm of Kesser, this realm of desire, is as identified with Trach Amude Or, 620 pillars of light, 620 sharing the numerical value of Keter, meaning crown or desire. So the image of 620 pillars is to say that this energy of desire and ability are the ultimate pillars and foundations of existence. So by the creator, his ability and desire to do anything and everything that he would want to do in this world, those are the establishing pillars of existence that which give it structure. To say that the ultimate framework that this reality stands up upon is on the creator's desire and ability. Because everything flowing out is what the creator wants. And everything flowing out is from particular points of his desire that it should occur. It also tells us that the essence of being a person is identifying one's inner desires and abilities and having the amuna, having the faith and the trust that with persistence our holy desires will be expressed because we trust that when we are really sifting through our prejudices, our fears, our evil inclinations to identify the real point of true desire and ability within ourselves that's really the pure holy desire that's all the way for the sake of heaven and for the sake of Hashem when we are really identifying that true desire and finding it spiritually objectively like this is the real holy desire this is the pure path I should follow that I should want because it is really what I want then as it says in Pirkei Avot basically make your will like his will so that he will remove the wills of others from blocking you which is telling us that when we identify our true holy desire we find that it is one with Hashem's holy desire for us and if it is really Hashem's will then it's going to happen the issues that we face in life it was when we are struggling to find an identification with what we want and with what the creator wants because if the creator wants it it's going to happen
the interference is cropping up when we struggle to I find out what should we really want because if we're wanting something the creator doesn't want then it's not going to happen okay continuing sphere who egals the sphere should call sphere Okay. Okay. So again, we're talking about three basic systems. Inner essential point, which we've just gone over. Then we go to the, like the heart of the sphere itself, the heart of the experience itself. And that is the point at which we've identified an inner core desire and ability to express a certain experience. And the next stage is the pulling out of the experience. I'm, t- I'm kind of taking liberty to translate him as I understand him. But it's the, p- it's the flow out of that entire experience within the, within the mind's realm. So a person says, all right, I want to go shopping for groceries or I want to do these things today. You know, when we wake up at some point, we're kind of planning out our day. Okay, like, what am I going to do? We're not all on autopilot. We say, okay, well, I'm going to go to work and it's going to take this much time. But while I'm there, I'm going to have these attitudes. I'm going to take these breaks i'm going to enjoy it and this way i'm going to find the creator in my work in this way you know things like this so at the point where an inner point of desire has been identified of i'm going to do this thing and i see that i can and i see that i want to Next comes sort of the inner play out within the individual of, okay, so what is that going to look like? What are all the steps? And that's really the heart and core of Sphero in general, is once a new moment has arised, once a new moment has arose for a new desire and ability to be activated from an essential point of possibility, which is coming from those 620 pillars of light, from that space of ability and possibility that is always residing as I could and would want to do all of these things eventually, when one of those core experiences is activated from the essential point of desire, which is the true eternal world, which is the ground of existence for our space. So once one of those possibilities is activated, then the true essential sphera is coming out, which is, okay, from a spiritual point of view and a spiritual place of preparation, what are going to be all the contours of this experience as it's being prepared in a spiritual place? before it actually flows out in the worlds of time and space. So first, the inner point of desire and ability for an experience is identified. From the point of view from our psychology, 
when we're identifying that point, we don't even know all the contours that it's going to play out in. We just know we could do this thing and later we'll see what that is like when we plan it out and then execute it. Obviously by the creator, that's not a question. There's no surprises to the creator. Still, he set up the unfolding of his world that the essential stuff of existence would first be residing in those essential points of ability. And when the time came for the expression of any reality, then from those from that zone of possibility, then there would be an unfolding of the sphera. From the point of that possibility would then come the unfolding of the sphera of that possibility as the unfolding of the contours of that experience in the universe, unfolding first in a purely spiritual place before it then gets applied to create experiences in time and space. All right. All right. Shazel in Yitatmos is Bechachma, Umidos Bechachma, Umidos Shabukinos Yitatmos, Ukamos Shtik Rav, Husa Askala, Bechinos Hanachas. Okay. And he's just saying now that this second stage of existence. Of an individual or as in the universe as a whole is really the heart and core of the experience that's an important point because even though at this stage of sphera there hasn't actually been an application into time and space of all the contents of that sphera it's still very important to remember that when the energy is still existing at the level of pure sphera. It hasn't been unfolded and unfurled out into time and space. It's really more essential when it's existing at the level of sphera, even before it's been unfolded and unfurled and applied to time and space. Why is that? Because in the third stage, where the energy, the experience has been applied into time and space, It gets distributed, applied, unfolded into very distant expressions of itself. Such that in other Chabad writings, and we're learning from a Chabad writing, the Ayin bases from Chabad. In other Chabad writings, it's emphasized that when you say talk about, say, how godly energies of pure godly will and expression are expressing out in time and space, that those expressions of Hashem, they must first hit a very strong boundary called the Masach. We've talked about this a bunch of times now, that there's a thick screen separating pure godly expression with this world, such that Whenever pure godly energy is coming out to express in this world, it's always expressing itself behind a thick screen of obscurity, which the creator intentionally placed 
as a boundary between his essential light and the way that that essential light would express in our experience that that light would always be coming through a thick boundary separating his pure light from our experience. It's called the masach. It's called the screen. We've said before, it's very appropriate, but a fantastic analogy is like a computer screen where on the computer side of the screen is just pure code, pure computer logic. But nobody wants to interact with that. So on our side of the screen is a user-friendly experience where while a person might be running their email or their Facebook or their work or whatever they're doing on the computer, the user interface experience is intentionally so like pared down, so clipped away from really expressing the full context of code and intelligence that is actually running that program so that the user can even handle that experience. In other words, the fact is, is that when we're using our, when we're using some application that's running on the internet, say to send an email and let's say like work on a document and some type of uh, document share internet program. So there is so much information going into that experience. There's the whole world wide web that the program is running on. And there's all the tremendous layers of code and intelligence which are running <clears throat> in that World Wide Web and then in that particular document share program. And so much information, so much information, so much overwhelming information. <clears throat> and truly, even the greatest computer programmer is not going to want to have to deal with all that information at once. But the fact is, it's all in play at once. And that's the truth, so to speak, on the computer side of the computer screen. The truth is there is so much going on in an integrated way. So much code, so much information going on in an integrated way. And that's the true essential core of that experience. That would be like this level of sphera, this level of the true core and essence of an experience. But obviously, since that amount of information is so overwhelming, so superhuman in a way, <clears throat> beyond what anyone wants to actually interact with, so then a hard screen is set up to interpose between the true essence of the computer code and core running that experience and the user interface with that experience. And the function of the screen is going to be creating a tremendous simsum, a tremendous constriction or concealment of everything that's really going on and that document share internet email experience pushing back holding back the great majority of that computer information such that only what i'm interested in dealing with what i what i'm interested in handling as a user as just a everyday 
computer user. So the screen separating me from the inner world of the computer is holding back from me, you know, the vast majority of the actual code information so that I can have a friendly interface with the program. Now, I'm spending a lot of time on this analogy because it's important. It's important to understand that this is what we're talking about when we talk about the Tsimsum. When we talk about how Hashem conceals himself, people make a big mistake that like, oh, Hashem isn't here. He vacated his life from a certain space in order to have our world. It's not so. It's not so. This is really a better analogy to say that right now, it's like we're interacting with a computer program called reality. And when we say that Hashem conceals himself, we're saying that he is in a friendly way, in a way that gives space for us, holding back the vast majority of what he's actually doing with us all the time, so that the information won't overwhelm us. Because if we were to be standing face to face with the creator without the screen that he sets up between him and us, as it's literally described in the writings of the Kabbalists and of the Hasidic masters, we wouldn't, we'd get lost. It would be like trying to have an experience on a computer screen with no screen. So all this to say that at the level of Sphera, which is where the particular experience, the particular code is flowing out, not just from the point of the ability of that experience of code to express, which is really the essential energy of it, but when the code is actually expressing out, so the essential experience, the true energy and real contours of that experience and their essential nature are on the computer side of the computer screen. That's what it really is. It is really so divine, so complex. And it's the real core of experience. The third stage is going to be called partsuf, face. And the third stage is going to be as that essential core of code is flowing out on the other side of the screen to create realities that we can interface with. But the point I'm making here is that while those realities on our side of the screen are much, much more user-friendly for us, yet you can't say that they are the essential core of experience. They're not. They are tremendously trimmed, tremendously dimmed, tremendously edited so that only the slightest hint of an analogy of what they are really coming to be is what we can touch and feel, so to speak, or have consciousness of or feel emotionally or intuit intellectually. But what's on our side of the screen is not the essential core of that experience. The essential core of that experience is, so to speak, on God's side of the screen. 
And that's the level of Sphera. Okay, the third level. <coughs> is called Partsuf. O Partsuf hu bechines now this to me was the most fascinating move that <clears throat> the concept of a partsuf of a fully developed system where we identified the point core of desire and ability for this experience we then pulled out the entire experience at the level of sphera of the entire code of this particular experience but it's still not an experience. To fully make it an experience requires turning it into what's called a partsuf, or a fully expressed system. And the Rebbe here is saying that the definition of a partsuf is the ability of a sphera, of a whole system of code, of a particular experience, to be able to express in the four major worlds of Atzilus, Bria, Yitzira, Asiya. In other words, to actually create an experience and drive an experience in time and space across all the major worlds of reality. Let's keep reading in the text to kind of see what he means. That within the spherot are many, many levels of power to create and drive realities. Again, in the computer code analogy, so let's look at all of the computer code that goes into my email experience or my document share experience. And we said that the truth is, is that that code is obviously bound up with the entire World Wide Web in a sense. Look, and I'm sorry if I'm not accurate with my computer stuff, but it's certainly bound up with some portion of the World Wide Web. And it's bound up with all the different operating systems of the computers that are using the email to share with each other or do the document share. And there's also the program that's running the particular email program or document share program. So, so many different layers of code and computer information going on there. So many different levels. And so, inside all of these layers and levels of code, the nature and structure of these great many layers, these great many interacting layers, is that they are the preparations of code to eventually express out on the other side of screens many different experiences. Let me try to use another analogy. I mean, let me just speak directly then to what he's saying without using analogies and maybe we can tie back to the analogy. But we know that there are four basic worlds. There's Atsilut, which is like the world of the code, of the divine names, which is literally what is said, that in Atsilut are all of God's divine names running reality. Names are codes. 
It's also called the place of the Torah because the Torah is all divine names of God, which are all the codes running experience. Okay, and then below Atzilut are three lower worlds called Bria, Yetzira, and Asiya. In these worlds, it's described that there are thrones. There's really one throne which holographically copies itself in all sorts of places. And there uh, are these palaces and these angels and these courts of law and these wheels just and stars and constellations at many different levels of spirituality a lot of stuff our souls are existing in all these worlds at different various levels of the powers of our soul there are even negative patterns of interference called klipot that are kind of infecting like a virus in all of these levels until the coming of Mashiach So, all of those systems that are the worlds, so to speak, on the other side of the screen of the divine codes and the divine name, these worlds, what they're coming to do is to create interference, to create interference after interference or screen after screen because there are screens existing between all of these worlds that are outside the screen of Atzilut. So there are many, many screens that are uh, interposed between our experience and the pure divine code of the Sefirot that are giving rise to that experience. Many screens. And the purpose of these screens is that is to create concealment after concealment so that the experience that we eventually receive, which is one of the experience of a physical world, should be perfectly attuned to our experience as physical beings in a physical world making choices. And so what he's saying here is that this third level of parts of as we're moving from point to sphera to face or system or parts of is where the divine code that had within in while it's still residing in Atsilut, yet its code structure is that it is encoded as the ability to express all of this divine information outside of the screen through many worlds of separation and, and many more screens and many layers and levels of existence to finally, say, express a waterfall, to express a tree, to express a war, God forbid. To express a family, God willing. All of these experiences, a family, a war, someone in second grade, a waterfall, someone learning Torah, all of these particular experiences which we finally experience as a certain conglomeration of energy and material in the physical world, 
the core of that experience is in the world of the spherot, in the world of the divine code on the side of the screen of God, so to speak. And in that divine code is the information and power of how that divine code that's going to be running and driving and manifesting experiences, that there's a logic within that code itself of how is this code going to be filtered and stratified and spectralized across the worlds of experience so that it should finally congeal as our physical experience, having our experiences yet with, the, with us always remembering that those physical experiences are just the tip of the iceberg and the end point of happenings that are occurring in many, many tremendous, a tremendous hallway of worlds, of angels, divine palaces and thrones, where the inner core of our soul is residing in all of these worlds. And it's just that there are so many layers of reality to, so to speak, compute all the variables of this experience to finally create it in our physical experience. So this is called a partsuf. This is called where the code of the sphera, the divine information and contour of command of a sphera, is actually congealing and manifesting as faces, as my face, your face, and the face of this experience. Like, what does this experience look like? What are all its moving parts? What is the organism of this experience? That's called a face. But you're only looking at the face. You're only looking at the surface. But if we study Torah, I heard a beautiful point about a year ago. Sort of the Rabbi Ingber brought it. The difference between Hebrew and English ways of speaking about a face so in English, face is coming from the word facade, which means kind of like fake drapery. I just realized the word fake looks very much like the word face. You know, today, the big thing is Facebook. It's like fake fakery, right? Fakeness. It's not good. So it's a surface that is creating a fake mask to hide and obscure well in hebrew certainly we're saying that in a sense that that is true because as we said the experience our experience on the other side of the screen where the code is taking on faces and a surface experience that is not really the core essence of that experience because there's so much going on in the experience at the level of spherot and divine code that we are not having to deal with because it would overwhelm us such that what we do deal with is only in a sense a facade of the real code of experience and this is why it's very hard to find Hashem unless you look for him but in Hebrew the word for face is panim which is coming from inner, internal. 
to say that, yeah, we have a face and it's a surface, it's an outer surface, but it's coming to express what's on the inside. So even though in the system of Partsuf, on the other side of the screen of divine code, these experiences are very pared down, very trimmed, and very stratified and spectralized so that we can handle it such that it would seem to be creating, maybe, God forbid, a surface which hides only, but it doesn't just hide. It's a face, it's a surface, it's a congealment and a hiddenness, a concealment for the sake of revealing an experience. And the point here is to remember, let's try to update our perspective on our everyday physical world experience and try to appreciate and say, hey, Look, on the one hand, I recognize that everything I touch, see, hear, feel, etc., feel emotionally, think intellectually, I can feel that it's hazy, it's dreamy, it's not the essential experience. Like, what is this? Where am I? What are these objects? What am I doing? What is my, where is my life going? Who built this? Like, the world is silent. It it doesn't immediately give the answers. But if we just pause and say, okay, I'm listening to these ideas from the Rebbe Rashab, and I'm saying, yes, my, my experience is hazy and confusing, and it's an enigma. Like, what is it? But I believe that what it actually is is the pure expression of God's desire and his spherot coming to meet me in these congealed forms of faces. And while I might not, and I am intentionally unable to trace all these experiences all the way back to see the pure code behind them, I can at least appreciate that they are an expression of pure divine code, of pure divine will for these experiences. I can at least have a Muna and belief that that's what's going on. And if I at least just have that Muna and belief that that's what's going on, I suddenly start to see, yeah, this world is an enigma. Yeah, like what are these physical objects? Why am I dealing with them? But I can at least start to believe and appreciate that there's a reason that I'm contacting them. There's a divine purpose between why these things are congealing in my experience and what I need to do with them. I am face to face with the Creator. As the verse says, Malikala Arts Kavodo, the whole world is really filled with His glory. And the word for filled is a technical term, Male. It's associated with the term for miloi, which is describing how, say, for example, the divine name of Hashem, Yudke and Vavke, Havaya. So Yud is not just by itself. We spell out Yud. We spell Yud Vav Dalid. So the Vav Dalid of Yud is the miloi. It's not written, say, in the Torah scroll, but it's there. It's hidden and it's there. And then... There are different ways of spelling out the rest of the letters, but one of them is then you do hey, Aleph, hey, 
Vav Aleph Vav and then Hey Aleph Hey. When you add up the letters of all of those letters, Yud Vav Dalad Hey Aleph Hey Vav Aleph Vav Hey Aleph Hey, which is the Milo, the spelling out, the filling out of God's name, Hashem. So all of the numerical value of those letters adding up is spelling Adam, 45. It's numerical 45, which is Adam, person, humanity. Another fascinating point is when you isolate just the letters of the Miloy, just the Vav Dalet of Yud Vav Dalet, just the Aleph He of He Aleph He, etc., just the letters of the Miloy, it's equaling 19, numerical value 19, which is the numerical value of Chava, which is so, so beautiful, right? So Adam was created male and female as in the image of God, literally in the numerical value of the filling out of the name of God. And his wife, Chava, who means also, Chava means expression, and numerical value 19, which is Chava, is also numerical value of betach, of security, which is like the best, to be secure. So, that's telling you that the idea of miloy, of filling out, is the feminine quality of Chava, of the feminine life-giving quality, which is hidden in the pure expression of the divine name, because the divine name is just Yud and Hey and Vav and Hey, which is 26. But hidden inside of that divine name is another 19 units of Hebrew letters, which is the Miloy, the filling out of the name, which is equaling Chava, which is equaling Eve, to tell us that the feminine principle of Chava, of Eve, of man's wife, is the hidden Miloy, is the hidden potential within the divine names and the essential divine name to fill out experience and give birth to experiences in the world in the similar image of how the mother is taking the pure genetic code of information of the conception of a child and actually expressing that child with his face and causing that child to fill out and congeal in space as a born-out child. And so even though, in a sense, you would want to say that the pure divine genetic code that isn't just the code for the structure and unfolding of his body, but that there's a soul genetics, which is the logic of the unfolding of his soul's journey, you might want to say that that ultimate code of that child is the real person because it's all divine code. Yet, we know it's not because at the end of the day, very nice that there's a soul up there existing in code but let's let's create it as let's actually apply that code let's actually give birth to that child because the whole purpose of that code is that the code is the essence of the ch- of the human being 
And the point of will and ability for that code of that person is coming from Hashem's deepest desire. But the whole reason for these for this code and the whole nature of this code is that yes, on the one hand, its essentiality is while it is still residing in the space of pure code, pure possibility, but on the other hand, all of the setups and contours and structure of that code is only as preparations for let's plan out a life of a person who will ultimately be manifested in a physical body, but where this code will also be manifested in all of the worlds of Bria, Yitzir, Asiya, on the other side of the screen of Atsilut, so that he will go through the challenge of manifesting himself in the physical zone of free will. And that's called Malekala Arts Kavoda. The whole world is filled with his glory. The whole world is, in a sense, the filling out of the divine codes and names of the Sfirot and Atzilut to give manifestation and to pull out those hidden letters of code, filling out the divine names to actually give them expression as faces, as experiences in lower worlds. Okay. Okay, now we'll just do one more analogy. Right. Right. So he says one final analogy to get a hold of all this is he says this is like, okay, we're talking about we had the point of will, the essential point of will and ability to do anything. Then we had a particular haskala. We had a, then in the level of sphera and divine code, we have particular intelligent codes of experience, particular intelligent codes that will drive experience. And then he says within those codes of intelligence, so let's look at ourselves, okay? So we have thoughts. We are like Every day we're waking up, we're like coding out our day. What am I going to do? I'm going to be here at this time. I'm going to do and say these things. I'm going to try to keep the Torah. I'm going to always remember to not get angry, to, to be kind, to smile, not to say any bad words, all those things. So every day we're waking up, we're, we're coding out our experience and our thoughts. And then what happens is that, well, let's look inside those codes. What's in those codes? In those codes that we're planning out uh, are the way that we're planning and preparing to express our deepest values and our deepest intentions inside of vessels which are very far from pure intelligence 
And here I'm just quoting directly the Rebbe. I'm not giving my own analogy here. I'm just, I'm just speaking it out in English. Right, so I'm planning today to be in these seven different locations and I'm going to be nice wherever I go and I'm going to get this work done and I'm going to learn this amount of Torah. Literally, for me, like I found a few sources that I wanted to share on my podcast and so I made a code, I encoded in my brain, okay, like I want to record this thing I'm recording right now and a few more things on Erev and Tchum. There I'm encoding it. And in the level of encoding my intention, so at the level of the pure encoding of intention, it's a very spiritual thing. It's like pure information, pure preparation. But inside the content of that pure preparation are signals in code of how I'm going to express in very physical ways. Where are my feet going to walk? What is my mouth going to say? What am I going to eat? So even though all these experiences, which are very physical and very mundane, seemingly, and ordinary, of like, where am I going to walk, etc. Yet, we know that all of those experiences, we are encoding them and preparing to do them inside of a very deep spiritual place within ourselves, which is where we are coding out our day. We're coding out the next day. So, the point just to remember is that these aspects of the codes that drive reality, whether those codes that we encode within ourselves to, to run our day, reaching back all the way to those divine codes which are unfolding for Hashem to manage each day, they are encoding on a level of very high spirituality, but they are yet preparing signals to express ultimately in the faces and in the surfaces and in the congealments a very physicalized expression so that we can appreciate that when these expressions are coming out and they are very physicalized and they are very congealed and they seem very mundane and ordinary, they're not because they are all flowing out from the codes of the spherot to express a deep intention to us if we can focus to receive the message. Let's have a beautiful day. Amen.